Hello, welcome to this edition of your favorite football podcast. I'm Raceland. Alongside me, as always, is James. James, we are in the middle of nothingness for football season. Yeah, we're kind of in that time of year. Yeah, the, and by the middle of nothingness, I mean we have what a week less than a week now, actually, uh, before the combine begins. So, um. I believe the players will report on Tuesday. They'll go through some interview, or they'll do some uh, medical testing, some interviews with teams, whatnot, um, and then they begin the on the field stuff starting what I believe Thursday. Is it Thursday or Friday? I think it's Thursday. Um, I think so because I know Fridays run. I think Friday is like the. Let me pull up the schedule because now you got me curious. But I think it is Thursday, and then it goes all through the weekend. I think so. Because I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Sunday is running backs, offensive line, and defensive line. Or no, is it defensive line? So I'm pulling up the schedule now. So so see. we know that Saturday is quarterback, receiver, tight end. Yeah, that is the, the only one I'm really for sure about. I, I know running backs are Sunday. Let's see if I can pull up a. Well, I'm trying to pull. I know up running backs and offensive line are Sunday. Um, I can't remember what else. What what, what other days there are? I mean, how how long take you look this up? Good night at eleven. Well, I mean, really, the only day that people really tune in. To, I mean, every every day is like everyone. A lot of the diehard football fans watch, but the one with the most oohs and ahs is Saturday. And after multiple attempts to try to navigate to find a schedule, um, because the NFL.com makes it almost impossible to find it in one click, uh, I finally found it on CBS Sports. Uh, Thursday, it is D-line linebacker. Um, starts at 3 o'clock. Friday is defensive backs and special teams. And then Saturday is um, quarterbacks, receiver, tight ends. And then Sunday, running backs and O-line. Okay, so just running back snow line then on Sunday. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean we we've, we've got just a, a a few days left before that all starts taking place, and I mean I know you and I have talked we're we're going to try and get together to watch the uh, the quarterbacks, receivers, and tight ends on uh, yeah Saturday. So, I mean I'm sure you and I will have uh, a little bit to talk about there. Um. Come Thursday, I mean, next week, we're not going to have too much to talk about. We can dive a little bit into um, what goes on Thursday at the Combine. But outside of that, there's really not much to talk about. Well, I think the things that we're going to be able to talk about the race on is, you know, this time of year when the Combine, everyone gets together there in Indianapolis, there's going to be a lot of a, a lot of uh, rumors that will go around. We're already kind of seeing that, right? I mean, now th this morning you wake up, the rumors that, the Rams have been in communication with potential trade talks for Jalen Ramsey. Do you see teams starting to restructure deals to make cap room? I mean, Tennessee Titans, I believe Thursday or Friday, was all over the news because they were cutting Taylor Lewan, then they cut uh, Robert Woods. So that that's a team that's trying to you know cut down on the cap. The Saints did some deals. The Packers did some restructuring. So, yeah, I mean, I think when it comes to a lot of the big news, we're not going to get like, the breaking news things, but I think a lot of the rumors will start ramping up with this week, especially when it comes to who can move up in the draft. I mean, usually this is this time of year where some of that speculation will start, especially once these workouts are done, especially with the quarterback position because of the way the draft order is set up. You look at, you know, obviously the number one pick. I mean, the trade about Justin Fields has been, you know, it's been going on now for a couple of weeks, but will they do it? The Houston Texans need a quarterback. Indianapolis needs a quarterback. I think the, those teams that, you know, you're looking at a quarterback, Atlanta there at eight, um, those teams are the teams to watch for when it comes to the rumor mill starting to heat up after this week of can they make some deals to move up in the draft. Those start this week um, because reality is we're only two months from the draft. I mean, it's not that far away. But it is exciting to, yeah. you know, we're, I mean, the Super Bowl was only about, what, two or three weeks ago. So now it, we're right back into really not really a dead season because the scouting combine, we're going to have a lot to talk about, especially the performances from Saturday. Because 
Running backs, D line. I mean, you can see the hands and stuff like that in the D line and O line. But the the running backs, you can see the forty and all and, and those types of things. But really, the most you'll get out of the combine, in my opinion, is Saturday, seeing the arm talent and seeing how they can mobilize the receivers running the routes. And those that's the day that a lot of these people pop out. You know, the third, fourth, fifth round, fifth round guys really start moving up the charts is on Saturday. No, absolutely. And I mean, you know, we're sitting here talking about some, you know, possible rumors that could happen. I'm, I saw a rumor today or not necessarily a rumor, but like you're looking at Vegas odds and betting. Um, Anthony Richardson went from a plus 10,000 to a plus 700 into being selected first overall. What what do you make of that? Like, why all of a sudden is Anthony Richardson getting so much love? Like, especially coming off of, you know, he had a, a pretty decent season, pretty good season. Um, obviously, you know, Florida wasn't much to talk about this year, but they haven't played football in a while now. So why all of a sudden do you think that he is being looked at now as a potential number one overall draft pick as opposed to, I mean, Bryce Young's still the favorite. But, like, why do you think his his odds have jumped so much? I think the reason the odds are jumping so much, Raceland, is because of the what he can bring to the table. I mean, if you look at his size, he's he's a huge guy. And then yeah. he's mobile, which is what everyone wants in the NFL quarterback. He can really run. I think that's going to be one of the things to watch out for on Saturday is what does he run on the 40. Uh, I think that's going to move him up the draft boards a lot. Um, and potentially even get those odds down when it comes to the number one overall pick. But the and to say he had a good season, I I think it's kind of um, giving him too much credit because I think he had there were some games where he he really displayed what he could be. But then you look at games like the Vanderbilt game and and games like that, it's like ooh, I mean, do you really want to risk you know putting your job on the line to get a guy like at number one overall or even a top five pick? I think people are falling in love with the stature, the the speed, and the arm talent that he can have. But again, I mean, it's kind of almost deja vu. I mean, look at Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, Anthony Richardson, one-year starter. Mitchell Trubisky, one-year starter. Um, North Carolina had a lot better of a year as a team. Florida, not so much. But I think one thing, they're, they're very similar in a lot of ways. But I think Anthony Richard, Richardson's athletic ability, you know, is way above what Mitchell Trubisky's was. But I just, I mean, I don't think if you're a team that's picking the top five, I mean, you you take a risk on using that big of a capital on taking a guy that really, I don't think is going to be ready day one starter. I think there's a lot he has to learn. And, and you know, it's only going to get tougher in the NFL. I mean, you, you were the starter for majority, if not the whole season for the Florida Gators. And granted, I mean, it's not all on Anthony Richardson. The defense wasn't that great. There wasn't a whole lot of, you know, talent around him, per se. But you still only won six games. You, you, you finished the year, I believe, six and seven after you lost the Las Vegas Bowl to Utah. So yeah. I just don't know. Like, if I'm a GM picking a top five, there's no way he's even crossed my mind about a, a number one, a, my first-round pick in the top five. There's too many guys out there. I mean, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. Even Will Levis, I think Will Levis is kind of one of those guys to where I think he, I don't think he's going to ooh and ah people at the NFL if he gets that opportunity, but he's more ready than Anthony Richardson is. Now, I do think the ceiling for Anthony Richardson could be very high depending on where he lands, the coaching staff where he lands into, and if you give him time. I think if you draft him in the first round, it's going to be like a Jordan Love situation where he's going to sit the first year, or at least that's the goal. Um, I just don't think he, he's going to make a difference day one. Um, maybe you have a package for him, like, you know, five plays a game to get him on the field. But, right. but based on what I've seen out of him this year, I just don't think he's an immediate impact player for a team. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, look, if, if I, I've had one team cross my mind on who I think could possibly take him. Um, I'd probably lean more on the, the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, because it doesn't seem like Lamar Jackson wants to get a, a deal done now. It, it, they're probably going to end up tagging him. 
Um, but then the question becomes, does he, will he want to play on that tag? If not, you know, you've got to have uh, another quarterback there. And I, I think that'd be the, the perfect time to throw Anthony Richardson in. Yeah. I mean, you're going to throw him into the wolves right away, but it, it's going to have to be one of the scenarios of, well, let's see what you got kid. And if not, you go out and you, you get a, a backup to Lamar who can be there to play if Lamar doesn't want to. Richardson can learn under him. I don't know. I, I think, and then you know, maybe this in the the next off season, this time next year, you know, Lamar doesn't want the tag. He doesn't want to resign. He wants to go somewhere else. The Ravens can be like, okay, well, we have your your replacement in, in Anthony Richardson. If he's impressed well enough, then they'll be set, and Lamar can go do whatever. But I don't know. Again, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, especially with Anthony Richardson, like, you know, will he even have a chance to make it to Baltimore uh, in the draft? Or will a team take in or they, will they buy in the hype and draft him with inside the top? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know if I take him top 15. I mean, I wouldn't take him top 15, but if you look at the teams that are on the draft board who need quarterbacks, there's plenty full of teams that are in the top 15. I mean, I think it's safe to say I don't think the, the Houston Texans are taking him. I don't think Indianapolis is going to take him. But it would not surprise me if, you know, the, number eight and nine, Atlanta or Carolina take him because of the upside. And look, well, I mean, the question is, I mean, I haven't dove into the Will Levis stuff from this year. Obviously, I'm going to do that before we do our three-round mock um, in April. But I think, the, I think Will Levis is kind of maybe he's already – plateaued in that regard of maybe this is who he is now maybe he might get a little bit better with the nfl coaching but the upside for anthony richardson if you can get him coached up up to speed and you know and a lot of the things that he did wrong in florida if you can coach them up and correct them then you know the ceiling is there i mean and again he only had one year of game action in the sec he only started one year for the gators so yeah i think this is i mean like i said this isn't a anti-Anthony Richardson, like if you if their team drafts him, you should be excited because of the upside and the athletic ability he could bring. But no, again, absolutely. But again, I think I'd be more comfortable if I, let's say I'm an Atlanta or a Carolina fan, I think I'd be more comfortable taking him as a third quarterback off the board rather than the first because, look, it was either him or Will Levis, and you could make a great argument against for Anthony Richardson against Will Levis, and you, you shouldn't be ashamed by that because – Atlanta needs a quarterback. I mean, Desmond Ritter is not going to be the guy there. And Carolina, I mean, look what they put out there this year. I think, right. and I, I just think that, again, you're not going to win 10 games with him if he does start year one. But the the experience will come for him, whether it's on the bench learning the game and getting practice experience, maybe get a package in there for him. But I just do not think that, he, I, don't, I agree with you, I don't think he's going to fall to 23. I think some team's going to fall in love with him. But again, what's really going to happen, and really another thing we're kind of, you know, overlooking race on when it comes to this discussion is the fact that free agency, I believe, is in a couple weeks. So, what that I mean, Derek Carr's still out there, Jimmy Garoppolo's out there. Now we all presume that they're going to go to teams that are contenders, and, and you know that'd be a and you'd be correct. I mean, we'll probably be correct in that assumption, but that's going to have a lot of impact on the draft too, because maybe one of those quarterback hungry teams. Lands a great free agent because they they sell him a great sales pitch. They're going to tell him that we're going to build around him. You can be a winner here. We have the cash. We're going to give you what you want. And maybe maybe Atlanta ends up with Derek Carr. Maybe Carolina ends up dreaming. We don't know. So that could throw a wrench in this scenario as well. But I agree. At the time we're sitting here, I agree wholeheartedly with you. I just I don't feel confident that he's going to land there at twenty three for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, more than likely not. Um... The NFL free agency period kicks off March 15th. So we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that. I mean, like you said, James, it's just a few weeks away. Um, I mean, what what all do you have for today? Because, I mean, like I said earlier, there's not a, a ton to talk about. So in preparation of that, you know, Rachel, and I've been kind of doing my uh, mock draft. I'm in my, my PFF mock draft uh, mode already yeah. just to kind of learn some of the prospects I'm not really aware of. Um, it's a great way to do it. It's a fun way to do that because it tells you mm -hmm. their stats from the past three years where they're in college. You can see the growth. They even tell you like little synopsis of like what they can do, what's their weakness, and what to project. 
you know, it's a really great resource if you're a, you know, a mock draft um, fanatic, right, junkie, and you want to learn some of these guys. It's a great way to do it, and it's fun. You, I mean, it, it, you, it's, you can make it go quick, too, you know, with the, the speed settings and stuff. But in preparation, because I knew we weren't going to have much to talk about just because of the time period we are, I decided that, and I've already told you my mock draft for the Arizona Cardinals. So yes, I showed that to you off the air. But I did one for the Chicago Bears. Okay. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you who I picked, and then you can give me a – you can give me a explanation. We can have a conversation about it, and then at the very end, I'll tell you what the PFF grade they gave me. Um, the way they do it is they give you like for each pick, they'll give you a grade like from A plus to F, like like yeah. we're back in school, um, and yep. then they'll total that up at the end to give you a final score. So I did a five round mock um, with the Chicago Bears there on PFF. So okay. obviously the Chicago Bears are picking in the number one overall slot this year, three and fourteen record. Not very good. So my number one pick for them this year was Jalen Carter, the defensive lineman from Georgia. I think he he is a I think he can be a really good force there in the inside, something that Chicago doesn't really have. And I think yeah. that you could really start to rebuild that defense around a guy like that. I mean, look what Chris Jones did in the postseason this year. If J- if Jalen Carter could be I mean, I don't mean obviously he's going to have to grow into that, but a superstar def- interior defensive lineman like a Chris Jones, that's a home run pick. And really, it starts in there. I mean, look what they – then you can build and get your Frank Clark there. You can go and get your edge rusher. But I think for them, in the division that they're in this year, and they run the football a lot still, especially with the uncertainty with Aaron Rodgers there in Green Bay, you have to be able to stop the run and create pressure from the middle. I think that's a great fit for Chicago at number one. No, I agree. I, I'd give the pick an A plus because I mean, look, I think Jalen Carter is the best player in the draft this year. So PFF, PFF gave me a, an A grade for that pick there at number one. Okay. So this is where you're going to yell at me, and that's okay. Oh goodness. Okay. So I traded Justin Fields away. Okay. The reason being is I traded him to the Indianapolis Colts to hold the fourth pick. Okay. He's in his third year of his rookie deal. Yep. There really isn't a whole lot around him right now to build. Right. He has shown flashes, but he's shown that he still struggles throwing the football a lot of times. A lot of his production is coming from the ground using his legs. Yeah. So my thinking was if I can trade him, get a couple and and I didn't do it in this mock draft just because you can only do for the current year. But PFF, according to their simulator, I could have got another first round pick. Than what I already got. So I traded him for, I got the first round pick from Indianapolis, which is number four, like I said. And then I also yep. got the number 35 pick from Indianapolis in this deal just for Justin Fields. And again, I probably could have got another first rounder. And I especially probably could have gotten it if I would have thrown in like a fifth round pick or something like that. So the right. fact that, I mean, again, this, we don't know what's going to happen with the actual GMs, but the fact that PFF gave me a high chance of getting that made it even more so tempting. But like, look, I, I, it's worth the shot because we don't know what Justin Fields is. He hasn't really shown a lot of consistency, like greatness, like we've seen from some others in the class. Um, really, the only one that really flashed in that class so far is Trevor Lawrence. I mean, and and Justin Fields is definitely the number two out of that class. But yeah. outside of Trevor Lawrence, it wasn't that deep of a class. I mean, Mac Jones had one good year, and he kind of, you know, last year was not very good. Um, you have um, Zach Wilson, who we all know how that's going. So. Justin Fields is the number two quarterback of the class, but that's not really saying a whole lot when you look at how that class is shaping up out to be. Right. Right. So with that being said, I picked C.J. Stroud there at the four spot. I like okay. C.J. Stroud's ability to throw the football down the field. Yes. And I understand the, the, the negative of, well, he look at the receivers he was throwing to. I get that. But really, and you know this, Rayson, I was kind of on the bubble with C.J. Stroud for majority of the year, how he's going to pan out the NFL level. But the game that kind of was like, maybe he will be all right and could be really good is that Georgia game. Everyone has yeah. talked about this Georgia defense being, you know, how great they were. And they were a really good defense. Look what they did against Tennessee in that game. Yeah. C.J. Stroud had his best game, I believe, all year against Georgia. And no, that's saying something. Was. 
And I, and I understand the Michigan game wasn't great, but that wasn't great because of a lot of different factors outside of C.J. Stroud. Yeah. He played the best game of his of his season against the Georgia Bulldogs. Yes. Yes. No, I mean, I, I think that's a, a, a pretty good uh, draft. I mean, like you said, I mean, yeah, you, people will point at the receivers he had, but – I mean, it's not like he's out here slinging the ball to where, you know, only the receiver can cope. Or actually, no, he is only slinging the ball to where the receiver, only the receiver can go get it. He's not out here throwing 15, 20 picks a season. He's out here throwing under 10. He's he's placing the ball exactly where it needs to be. And, I mean, yeah, the receivers are great too. Um, but looking at the the Ohio State receivers now, it's like, you know, they make their plays after they catch the ball. That's that's all the hype for them. So the fact that, you know, he's still able to get them the ball and make them look good in the process, it only makes him look just as good. So I'd 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 go I'd probably give that pick I'd probably give it an A. I'll give it an A. So you're pretty close. Um PFF gave me a B plus on that pick. Um again, I don't know if they you know, you know, kinda took the trade in account there. But I think if CJ Stroud can develop and take off where he left off in college, I think, you know, the, the Bears fans are gonna be like, well, why are we trading Justin Fields? He's still young. Yeah, but you're pretty much getting but I mean I don't think CJ Stroud is as dynamic as a runner, but you're not getting that much of a different player from CJ Stroud. I think you have better arm talent with CJ Stroud and what he's yeah. able to do. Yeah. So my next pick, like I said, I acquired from the Indianapolis Colts in that trade. I got the 35 from them. And really another reason why I traded too is the Bears didn't have another pick till 54 in the second round. So I was able to really right. jump up and get a great player and able to have the opportunity to get another player, which I decided to go with tight end from Oregon State, Luke Musgrave. He is being talked about as the best tight end or, one, or top two tight, best tight ends in this class. He's an explosive playmaker there for Oregon State. Again, Oregon State, they were having a really good season this year. But I think if you put them in the right place and allow him and C.J. Stroud, because look, one of C.J. Stroud's go-to targets this year was Cade Stover when he was in the game. Look at the Penn yep. State game. So yep. the fact that now you're giving him a tight end that he can grow with and a tight end that can be a playmaker or a mismatch to a linebacker as he grows into the NFL and that caliber, I think – Getting him in this that early second round is a steal because I think in the actual draft he might go first round. No, he very well could. I mean, uh, I agree with you. He's being talked about as one of the top tight ends in his draft. So I mean, I I, I kind of am surprised that he wasn't taken a late first round at least. Um, but and I know you can't go back and really look at like who was picked um, from this point on, but. If I'm looking at that, I and mean, I'm and I'm the Bears, you know, you just drafted hopefully the guy who can be your future quarterback, and yeah, you're giving him a, a really good, uh, uh, yeah, a tight end that can be really good in the NFL one day, but that's also still leaving him empty when it comes to receivers. Well, I'm about so, to fix that problem. Well, okay, you shouldn't have told me that. <laughs> about to fix that problem. Okay. Okay. Well, so. Um, again, I, I, I would have had to have seen who was, what receivers were left on the board. Um, so that pick, I'm going to give that, well, I'm going to disregard what you said about fixing that problem. I'm going to grade it just based off the pick. I'm going to give it a B because yeah, again, I don't know who was still left on the board at the time. Um, but still, like again, I I've got a first round grade on on him, on Musgrave, so I'm going to give it a B because that could develop into a great a great uh, receiver tight end connection. Um, I mean, yeah, the the they still have Cole Komet, don't they? Or do they trade him? I've had to go back and look. Let me see if he's still on. The, I'm all over the cap, so I can look at that pretty easily. Let's see, Cole Komet. Let's see if I can find the Bears logo. There it is. Cole Komet does play for the Bears, yes. Yeah. So, I mean. And Chase Claypool's still there. I mean, obviously, he's, 
isn't what he used to be, but he's still there. Cole Komet's still there. Um, Darnell Mooney's still there. Right. Cole Komet's still a he's still a pretty young tight end. So I'd be surprised if the Bears were to go tight in there. Um, Komet has had some flashes, but again, you know, when when you've got a guy like Justin Fields at the at the helm and he's he doesn't have a ton of time to sit back in the pocket because that offensive line w- was not good. Uh, so he's got to be able to maneuver and use his feet. And if Cole Komet can't get open, then Fields isn't going to throw to him. So I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I, I think that, in my opinion, I may have gone for a receiver or an offensive lineman first uh, or well, with that pick there. But, again, it, I don't think it would have been a bad pick. Well, the, And if I remember correctly, I just did this one last night. The There wasn't a lot of the top guys at receiver left there in the th- in the early second round. Um, okay. I believe Kayshawn Booty was still there from LSU, but I was like looking down the board of the other receivers, and there was a lot of receivers with similar stat lines. I feel like, okay, if I can get them later in the draft, because tight end-wise, when it comes to a production tight end, outside of Luke Musgrave and Michael Mayer, it kind of takes a really a decline in a lot of ways yeah. for guys that you feel comfortable taking – and make an immediate impact. So I think that's why I went with the tight end there because I do address the the receiver room here later on in the draft. Okay. Um, PFF gave me an A minus there for the tight end, the for my okay. second, my number thirty five. So round two, pick number fifty four. I drafted Nathaniel Dell out of Houston. Who? Nathaniel Dell. What position? Receiver. I don't know who he is. I can't give you a grade, honestly. Well, I'm about to tell you who he is. In 2021, this uh, 2022, this year he had a 1,398 receiving yards. In 2021, he had 1,390. Uh, just he had like just um, under that. I think it was just around like the low 1300s, like 1328. So back to back years where he was about to push over the 1400 yard receiving mark. He's a, he's a good he's a playmaker. He's able to catch the ball. He's able to turn in things into something. And I think there in the th- in the second round, if he can get a guy like that, he could be a really really good receiver. Again, I know he plays in a not in a Power Five conference there at Houston, but back to back years where he was in reach of fourteen hundred receiving yards, that's something we shouldn't overlook. Okay, yeah. Um, based on what you've told me, um. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll give it a B minus. PFF gave me an A minus. Really? Okay. So my first pick in the round and third round, pick number sixty four. I t- I drafted C.J. Stroud's left tackle, Dewan Jones. That's a great pick. I mean, Dewan Jones has massive arms length. He's got. The arm length, I believe, if I remember correctly, the, he's got the arm length of a guy who's 7-2. Um, the only issue with him is there are times when he is a little slow off the off the snap, and uh, he, he's not always able to maneuver his feet properly uh, and keep them under him when he's trying to shuffle out for a pass block. So uh, in the third round, not a bad pick. Uh, I'll give it a B-minus. So another thing that PF, um, that was on there too about the negatives was the the lack of hands usage there. Um, yeah. But again, I think with the right coaching in the NFL, and look, the the offensive line coaching at Ohio State, I'm not knocking that. But again, there's a whole different dynamic in the NFL when you get in that, that class. Right. I think those are the things that they could coach up. But one thing that he has going for him is the amount of starts that he has at Ohio State. And he hasn't allowed a lot of sacks or hits on the quarterback. And even with all those negatives that you were talking about, Raceland, he doesn't have to be the left tackle. They can move him to the right. He can be yeah. both. So I think there, and, and it was hard not to pick him there in the third round. Uh, PFF actually gave it an A-plus grade there in the third round. An A-plus. Wow, okay. Okay. They have him ranked at the, as a number 44 prospect in the draft. And you got him at what pick number? Uh, 64. Well, yeah, I mean, they give him an A-plus for that. 20, I mean, he fell 20 spots. That's a lot. So, yeah, I can see why they gave the A-plus. 
So there to start off the fourth round and pick 103, I went to the receiver room again, and I got A.T. Perry from Wake Forest. And I know what's coming. You're going to say, who? Who? So, again, a lot of people don't watch Wake Forest football, especially up here in Ohio, right? I get that. So you might not know who it is. But he's a really good receiver there at Wake Forest. He's a big receiver. He's 6'5", 205. Um, in 2022, he had 81 receptions with a thousand, just over 1,000 yards, um, 13.5 yards per catch, and 11 touchdowns with a long of 68. In 2021, he had 71 catches for 1,200 receiving yards, 18.2 per um, average per catch with 15 touchdowns with a long of being 69. So, again, he is a guy that has shown he can get those make those explosive plays, those chunk plays for you. He's a reliable pass catcher. I mean, if you're getting over 70 catches in the last two years and having those be 13-plus across the field, that's going to be huge for a guy, like if, especially with this draft I have with C.J. Stroud, to be able to grow up with those two receivers, Nathaniel Dell and A.T. Perry. Because this is these are the kind of guys that like, you might not know them. There might not be household names on, on a Saturday afternoon. But how many of these explosive receivers that are not necessarily your superstar number ones, but these guys that you can rely on in the game to get you places were household names in the college football? Not a whole lot of them. So in the grand scheme of things, these two guys could really make an impact on the Bears organization and really help their young quarterback develop into something special there in Chicago. Yep. Um, I'll go ahead and give that pick a B plus. Because I think he could, he like you said, he could definitely go in, and it might take him a little, uh, a little while, maybe even a full year, but he could definitely help produce for that team. PFF would agree. He got a P plus. He was the number one hundred six um, on the big board there on the PFF website, and I got him at one hundred three. So not a big reach there, but I wouldn't have been able to got him if I didn't get him in that slot because my next pick wasn't until one hundred seven. I don't think I was, I wasn't willing to risk that, um, and then because really. When you have a guy that has those types of numbers and you're pairing him with a guy that almost had back-to-back years of 1,400, those could really build into really good number two and three options there, especially if, you, if the Bears can go get the, a true number one superstar in free agency or Chase Claypool really develops into what we know he will, could be in Pittsburgh, trains yeah. like that uh, Chicago, and then you really have a sudden young, good receiving core there in Chicago. So in the fourth round, I had another pick, 107. I actually jumped up to it. Um, this is why I didn't feel comfortable because my next pick went to 134. So I actually traded away Claypool <laughs> for this. Um, okay. I got, and the reason being is, you know, I don't think he's going to guard if if trade. And this is one of those things where it happened during the trade, the draft day, right? And do I foresee the actual trade happening? No. But in my opinion, the way that Chase Claypool has been the last two years is not a guy that is going to wow you and garner a lot of a, you know, a first, second, even a third round pick anymore. I just don't think. So I was like, maybe if I can get something for him and put another piece in the offense that could bring another dynamic to the offensive system they have in Chicago, that it would be well worth it. So I used the, um, I, tr- I got the 107 pick and in return of trading away Chase Claypool. And I took Kendra Miller, the running back from TCU. He did not play in the national championship game, which is a, that was a huge um, disadvantage because he was a very explosive running back there for TCU. He has the size of being a downhill runner and could take the, the, the pounding of what a bell cow running back will do. But he also has speed to really explode the play. So, I mean, this is a guy that I want for Jacksonville if he's available because he would be a really good compliment to ETN, who's more of the you know smaller back, go outside, make a cut. But this guy can go up the middle. He can really do some damage on the ground. The only knock on him really was short yardage situations. But I think, again, that's something that he can improve with over time as the reps and getting in the game and behind a really good, if they can somehow get an offensive line built to do that in the trenches between the center and the guards. Um, but again, it was hard to not pick a guy that, We've seen on Saturdays the explosiveness that he can he could go on a drop of a hat and break a run. And with the size, I, I fell in love with the size and the ability that he can do. Because I didn't realize he was that big um, watching him on TV. Yeah, Kendrick Miller is a really good 
running back. Um, I'm surprised he kind of fallen here, but like you and I have talked about in the past, you know, you can get a running back a dime a dozen anymore. So it, it, it's a little surprising, but then again, it's not. Um, very productive time at uh, in college. Um, you got him in the fourth round? Yeah, fourth round. Pick 107. Pick 107. Um, I'll go ahead and I'll give that an A-. minus Because I, I think that's a really good pick there. He's a guy, he can be a plug-and-play guy. Um, might not be a starter day one because David Montgomery's still there. But he can definitely be a very productive one-two punch with Montgomery. And that's the cycle I got him because I don't think Montgomery's your number one back. But, in, but the problem with Chicago is outside of Montgomery, there really wasn't true depth behind him. Now you put a guy like Kendra Miller into the lineup, you've really got a really good one-two punch there in Chicago because guess what? If you got a young quarterback coming in like I did in this draft, you have to be able to take a lot of the pressure off the quarterback and you have to be able to run the football consistently. Look, I, I go back to Jacksonville. One of the big things that changed this year for Trevor Lawrence was the fact that he didn't have to do everything. He had Travis, Travis Etienne to be able to make those chunk plays, the explosive potential of that offense. And that really helped everybody in that scheme. So if you do that in Chicago, again, with the two young receivers that I drafted, the tight end that I drafted, and the quarterback, again, it's a young offensive unit. But the good thing with the young offensive unit is it might not pay you know dividends in the first year, but in that second year, you could really have a really good explosive offense that could compete with anybody in their division. Yeah. So what did the PFF give you? They gave me a B. Um, okay. He was number 90 on the, the big board there, and I got him at 107, so 17 spots. But I think there was a couple other running backs on the board, but I wasn't really and – and this doesn't say they're not going to be good, but there were running backs that – I haven't seen a whole lot of, and I saw their stats. I'm like, yeah, but is it because of the competition or so forth? Um, I, they had the Auburn running back. I'm, I'm blanking on his name, but the Auburn running back didn't even have a thousand yards. And I was like, well, it's Auburn. They haven't been great, you know, um, type of deal. So I just went with my gut and with what I've seen and the potential I think he has at this level as a number two back, potentially a number one back in the future. So I, I went with my gut on that pick. Okay. So don't worry, I didn't. Uh, I I didn't uh, totally forget about the defensive side of the ball. Um, at the, my number one thirty-four, with us in the fourth round, I drafted edge rusher Carl Brooks from Bowling Green, and I know what's coming. No, actually, I know Carl Brooks. Um, I, I know of him because I mean, uh, being up here in Ohio, Bowling Green's not all that far away from us. So I I've gotten to. I didn't really get to see a ton of his stuff this year, but I know a little bit of about him. Um, He's a guy that is probably going to take uh, maybe a year or two to develop, but he definitely has the size to uh, be able to force tackles if they're if they're not you know necessarily on their game per se. Um, and he's 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 able to get the quarterback really well. The only downfall for him is he's playing in the MAC. He's playing in the MAC. I mean, he he had ten sacks this year, and the year before that, he had six and a half. Um, he's a big dude, though. I mean, he's six four, three hundred pounds. So he has yep. that ability to, you know, go out. He can he can be that guy that goes everywhere on that defensive line. Do I think yep. he's going to be, you know, a speedy edge rusher? Absolutely not. But let's say, I mean, I think he could be a really good, you know, if, I don't know what the the Bears defensive scheme is going to be, but like he could, if they wanted to do that 3-4, four, four, you know, the 3-4, three, 4-3 four, four, three variation, he could be one of those big ends. Um, he, I think you can put him inside if you need someone for Jalen Carter or if you want to put him side-by-side side in some packages, you have that ability to do so. I think he can be a really good plug-and-play piece. I mean, not be a, you're not going to see him fly off the charts, but he could be a really good football player, especially as, like you said, Raceland, he develops and, and gets to accustom to the level of competition he's going to be playing. This is actually a guy that, you know, like we just talked about the combine, I'm going to keep a close eye on, see what his 40 time is, see how he does in the drill, see how his mobility is, because I think that could really help his draft stock too. But again, the size, 6'4", 300, and, that's, that's, and the amount of sacks that he has, that means he can wreck some plays. Um, so I'm really excited to see what Carl Books does next week. So what'd they give you? A+. plus. Really? Okay. So, so PFF really loves this guy. I mean, he was in the top 50 when it comes to their big board. They love him. Okay. 
Um, so my next pick comes at 137. Um, so I stuck with the defensive side of the ball. I went with Jair Brown from Penn State, um, safety. So he's a guy that the, the knock on him was that he's not reliable in the deep threat. But the positive was he is not afraid to come down and be in the box and put his nose in the run game. So, again, yeah, this is kind of one of those things where it's hard to develop a guy to be a good pass, you know, a deep threat guy. I mean, it's possible, but it is tough, right? Um, I only know this because at the high school level you deal with that sometimes, and it's very hard to help them. It, you can improve them, and you see them progress, but it's not going to change overnight to where first year I think he's going to be one of the best, you know, pass defensive safeties in the league. That's just not going to happen. But there, this in this round, in round in round five, you know, it's kind of hard. I mean, he's there on the board. You see what he can do. He's not afraid to play the run. So maybe a good strong safety there in the league. Um, again, I mean, if you put him in that division with the the NFC North, I mean, you look at Aaron Jones. You're going to have and and. Uh, uh, Dylan, you're going to have to stop the run. If you look at Dalvin Cook in, in Minnesota, you're going to have to stop the run. But Detroit did really well was they ran the ball a lot, and then that opened up the pass. You're going to have to stop the run. Again, my whole draft was building a young team that we could start competing in this division and set up to potentially win the division for years to come. And I think based on what Jair Brown can do, if you put him in that strong safety spot, if he's capable of doing it, is he can be a really good at, in the box, come downhill and helps make make you know create some plays down at the line of scrimmage. And he kind of I mean based on his synopsis again. I haven't watched a lot of Penn State again. I'm gonna watch a lot of him when the you know that time comes of you know mock drafts and stuff. But he kind of reminds me of Rayshon Jenkins in Jacksonville, where he's not gonna help. He's not a you know burner where he can go help you in the deep in the deep. But he is not afraid to come up and make plays. So I think if if the if you know, I only know Ray. I watch every game of Rayshon since he's been in Jacksonville. If he can turn out to be a Rayshon Jenkins for them, that's a huge get for Chicago because Rayshon Jenkins had the best year of his career this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, obviously, being a fan of Ohio State, I've gotten to see him play quite a bit. Um, and even when they're not playing Ohio State, then you know, I'll, I'll still turn on Big Ten games to kind of see how the rest of the uh, how the rest of the conference is is looking. And I mean, he he is a pretty solid player, or at least he was in in Penn State. Now, yeah, he did get beat over the top quite a bit, but like you said, I mean, he's he's a great run stopper. Um, he came up with a few big plays when Ohio State and Penn State played earlier this, or when they played, uh, yeah, earlier in the season. Um, so I mean, I mean, he he's a guy who can definitely be developed, um, and that that getting beat over the top, like we talked about with Dewan Jones, that's something that can be helped with and taught in the NFL. So I'm going to give this one just because um, there is tremendous upside for him. I'm going to give it an A minus. So you're you're thinking in the same ballpark as PFF. They gave me an A for that pick. Again, they have him at 120 on their big board. So it's, I mean, the fifth, fourth, late fourth, early fifth is where they're predicting him to go. Um, yeah. But again, I mean, there is huge upside for Jair Brown. Um, so I'm excited to watch some of his tape um, when it gets closer to the actual draft and when we do our three-round mock, um, which is yeah. coming up quick. And then, like I said, only went to the fifth round. So my last pick in the draft was gar a guard from NC State, Chandler Savala. Um, I'm probably butchering that name. But again, I don't know if this is a guy that's going to come in day one. And again, I don't think he's going to be a starter or a guy that's going to make a huge impact, but I really drafted him for depth. Um, you can yeah. never have too many good offensive lineman that's one thing that we've you know at any level um and if they can get him in there and be a you know reliable depth guy i think that's a good pick in the fifth round no i agree i mean yeah at that, at that point teams are going to start looking at you know if they don't have a guy that they think they can bring in there and and really be a a role-playing starter at, at some point they're gonna they're gonna start drafting for depth um, because obviously you can't just keep veterans on your team all the time. You're not going to have enough cap space to do that. So then you got to start looking at, well, you know, where could we use the most help at for the, the cheapest amount of money we can get? So, I mean, I don't know much about this kid. Um, so I can't really give an accurate uh, 
great on it. I mean, he was pretty good. I mean, he was pretty good at NC State, but when you talk about the translation at the next level, um, I just don't know if he's going to be that. I don't think we're going to look back on it and say he's a top 15 guard in the league, but I think he could be a really good depth guy and, and, and turn into a solid starter, put it that way. So what did PFF give you then? They gave me an A for the whole draft. What about for that pick? Um, I can look. I think they gave me a B, but let me pull it up real quick. Yeah, they gave me a B for that. Okay. So, yeah, not all in all, not a bad draft then. I mean, by the sounds of it, you had a really good draft for the Bears. I did. And, you know, and again, the, the, the whole the sticky point is the two trades I made, getting rid of Chase Claypool and Justin Fields. Um, do yeah. I think the Chase Claypool one's going to happen? Probably not. But I do think the Justin Fields one is realistically an option. Um, especially if, you know, if Indianapolis falls in love with Bryce Young or whoever and they're already picked, then I think that's an option. And look, I mean, it's obvious that the Colts are going to want a young quarterback. They, they, that's the reason they brought Shane Steichen in. But yeah. if you can convince them, like, hey, I mean, this guy's already in his third year. He has game experience. You, you have guys that can win now. Um, you could really sell Justin Fields to Jim Irsay and the, and the crew and and honestly, racing like, I I kind of hope that trade ha- like I don't want, you know, Justin Fields in division. Um, I don't want any quarterback that's good coming in division because I want the Colts and the Texans and Titans to be in quarterback hell because I'm I'm selfish and I want the Jags to win. No, I don't blame you. But at the same time, if you're a Justin Fields fan, that's kind of a trade type of trade you want for that that kid because of the fact yeah. of it puts him in a situation where the offensive line's already built. Um, granted, there's cracks in the armor there, but it's already it's built as a high-paying offensive line. You have a defense that's really competitive, and you have weapons around them already in, in um, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman. And I think, I mean, then you could really see what you have. Now, the downside yeah. is if Justin Fields' legs, that's the, like it turns out to be that's the best part in the arm, like the passing attack never really becomes consistent, then now you have to make the decision the following year when it comes to the fifth-year option and in the future. But again, it's the Colts have been playing rent-a-quarterback for so many years. I don't think it'd be a, a hard sell unless they absolutely fall in love with C.J. Stroud or Will Levis. Right. right. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, whoever they can, whoever they can, they feel like they can get. And, I mean, let's be honest. If, if they can execute a trade like that night one, um, then I, it, you know, that if they'd have the, the, the first overall and then the, um, the fourth overall, they could very well easily go after then whatever quarterback they wanted there at one. Um, because then, I mean, yeah, Jalen Carter might not be on the board there, especially if Arizona takes him at three, but then you've still got a, another great pass rusher and uh, Will Anderson. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's really, I mean, whether you trade that number one pick away and go down, like you said, to four or, you know, in the top five, to, you know, so someone can get their quarterback, you're still going to get a really good edge rusher there. Um, but in the in the, this draft, you know, I already went and knew, like, all right, I'm trading Justin Fields in. I want to try to – I'm going to get, you know, the Colts because they're top four, they're quarterback hungry, and then I could replace C, uh, Justin Fields with C.J. Stroud, who I think could be good at this level um, after he develops. And then, again – the problem with Will Anderson, I think he's going to be a really good player. But, man, some I, I think I'm just traumatized, Raceland, when it comes to edge rushers early in the draft. Because no, as I, a Jaguar fan, I, we have drafted a lot of them there in the top five, top ten, and they never hit. So, like, right. and again, it's not, and they've picked interior defense alignment too, don't worry. And it, it also didn't work. But I think if you, if you have a guy that's Jalen Carter and then you can, I, I just, I don't know. It's kind of a t- sticky situation there. I mean, I think Will Anderson's going to be good. I mean, I hear a lot of comparisons to like Cleo Mack and, and um, Von Miller. And if he can reach that potential, good night of living. I mean, it's going to be crazy. But I don't know. I think the, the Bears are in an interesting spot. And I think, you know, Justin Fields could be a huge chess piece to what they do night one. And I know a lot of Bears fans are upset about the idea of trading away Justin Fields. But if you're a Bears fan, You've had him now for two years, and I get it. It's it's early. 
it's early to give up on a quarterback young. I understand that, especially when you look at the pieces around him. It's not that great. But I just think that, you know, if if there's already talks about it and you're already on the fence about the guy, he didn't really show much growth from year one to year two, um, then you, you kind of have to make a choice because you do not want to end up in a situation like the Jets are in. You do not want to end up in a situation that um, the Patriots might see themselves in. If you have the opportunity to do a overhaul and go young and, and for the future, you might not like it, like it in 2023, but in 2024 and beyond, you might really like that. So, I mean, again, it, I mean, it was tough. Like, And another thing is don't end up like the Jaguars back when Blake Bortles. I mean, what if he flashes year three, but then it's not so much? Um, so I don't, I mean, you're in a tough spot there in Justin Fields because you see the potential, but he just hasn't done it consistently enough. Um, so yeah, you're in a tough spot there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and looking at at your draft, I think I'd rather have that as opposed to, you know, like I said, Jalen Carter is the, in my opinion, the best player in this draft. So taking him first overall is a no brainer. Um, and then obviously you, you, you top that off with then taking CJ straight at four. I'd rather have that than to take, um, you know, Bryce Young at one or CJ Stroud at one, and then run the risk of losing than Jalen Carter than there at four. So um, I think that's a, a really good draft. I, you said PFF gave you what an A minus, an A. They gave me an A. That that's probably about where I'd run. Maybe more of an A minus just because of the uh, the Musgrave pick there. But I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Well, Chicago, I mean, if racing things had a good draft, which hardly ever happens, and PFF gave me an A, um, I'll send you my resume. And, um, I'll, I mean, I won't, I'll charge you a million a year. How about that? I can live off of that. Yeah. yeah. And, but racing, one thing I would like, I mean, like you said, you hit, I mean, we're wrapping up here. One thing that you hit on was next, when we record next Thursday, there's not going to be a whole lot to discuss. So let's do this. I want you to do a PFF mock draft. I don't care who, who you pick as a team. I don't care who you okay. do. Um, but I want to see what you do. Um, again, it's just a fun activity. Like I said, there's not a whole lot to talk about um, because obviously a lot of the meat, the meat and stuff on the combine is going to be next weekend. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll hit any news that comes out, and then we'll dive in in your your mock draft, and um, we'll kind of do the same format as today. Yeah, sounds good with me, buddy. All right. Well, you heard it, you heard it here first. We're going to do Raceland's PFF mock draft of an unknown team. So only way you can find out is by listening next week on your favorite football podcast.